You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your Texans win their ninth in a row. Yep, they just keep getting lucky, right? They're just lucky. They take care of business against the up-and-coming Browns 29-13, the final. Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from Fansided's House of Houston.com with your happy post-game show. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. Deshaun Watson finishes 22 for 31, 224 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Brian, that's now five out of six games with zero picks for Watson. He's taking care of the football. And strangely enough in this one, this is the first game since the Cowboys in week five where he threw for over 30 times. But this is what you want to see. This is the new you know, Texans. This isn't last year's we're going to heave the ball all over the field. They just got to take care of the ball. Exactly. And, and just looking at uh, what Deshaun Watson was able to do, this was his 17th consecutive game uh, where he threw for a touchdown pass. I mean, he has thrown for a touchdown pass for every game in his career, with the exception of the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was his first career start. So it, it's a testament to how much of an improvement, how much of the rust that's been knocked off for Deshaun. He's really feeling that rhythm right now. Really happy for this team. Dominant defensive play today. He had the fourth rushing offense going against the 28th rush defense. And that certainly means that uh, I don't think it's luck. I just think that, you know, this is a pretty good football team now. Uh, the injury bug, you only have five guys on the injury reserve. We used a record 77 players uh, last season in 2017, of course. So a lot different this year. So the schematics have changed, and it goes to show that uh, that we're, that the Houston Texans are 1-7 against rookie quarterbacks in the Bill O'Brien era. And I tried to do some research and find out who was the rookie quarterback that beat the Texans. And all I could come up with, are, are they counting, because this is on the CBS telecast, was it Jimmy Garoppolo? Because that was a 26-16 loss in 2017. But I went through all the losses, and every quarterback that the Texans faced, they weren't rookies, but maybe they're counting Jimmy because that was his rookie debut for him getting time out there on the field. No, he he played for the Patriots. Uh, if you're talking about you're talking about the 49ers, 49ers yeah, I'm game. talking about the Forty Niners game. No, no, I know he played for the Patriots, Rob. Come on now, <laughs> give me some credit here. But I don't know what they're counting as far as who would be, you know, what constitutes as a rookie quarterback. Because I look back at the losses quickly while the game was going on, and I just really couldn't see how they came up with that stat. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about that, but, uh, you know, and we got to get to the, the injury situation because there, there is some concerns coming out of this game for sure. But Lamar Miller uh, does it again, 19 carries, 103 yards, another 100-yard rushing game for him, Brian. And, you know, I, I got to give him credit for what he's doing, but you got to give this offensive line credit, the, the much maligned offensive line that everybody took a little poop on uh, to start the season and everybody pooped on him the first few weeks. Well, you know, it, it counts also as an offensive line. If you can run the football and if you're doing that, well, that, that that's check Mark for the, for your offensive line and, and they keep doing it and they keep racking up hundred yard uh, rushing performances uh, for Lamar Miller and, and, and getting, you know, a hundred plus for this team week in and week out these days. And, and, 
that's uh that's something that matters and and playoff football when it gets colder and the possessions get smaller it's a big deal just just looking at how Deshaun Watson started out, I mean, it was kind of rickety. You know, he was holding on to the ball a bit. You know, he was trying to buy some time, and that cost him two sacks by Miles Garrett and uh, Ogba. That was like a loss of about 10 yards there. But he, he finally gets it together, and, uh, you know, he, he gets to Marius Thomas involved early. Um, you know, we end, uh, the uh, Houston Texans end up, you know, going with a 33-yard field goal by Fairbairn for, by the way, hit all of his field goals today with the longest being 53 yards. So it, it's good to know that, at least for now, that the, the field goal or the uh, play seeker position is uh, pretty secure. Fairbairn is nailing his kicks when he needs to. Yeah, I get into the special teams play because that, that's real interesting, too. We'll get into that a little bit later, but... You know, it wasn't just Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, another solid game for Blue, 54 yards on 13 carries. You know, Deshaun, we know he's going to pick up his occasional yards on the ground. You said it. I mean, Deshaun, uh, the thing with him is a couple of those sacks were, were definitely not the offensive line. He held the ball for too long. He always tries to make a play. Uh, sometimes where you just want him to just, hey, Deshaun, throw the ball away, make it simple. You know, it, it, it's it, it's that's something that, you know, it, it's going to matter, I think, when you get into playoff football and every possession matters. He's going to have to think about that. But, you know, that's that's one of the positives about him, too, because you think that this guy has the confidence that he's going to do something out there. And really, only one of those sacks on the game felt like it was belonged to the offensive line whatsoever. And there was one time later in the game, probably the fourth quarter, I think, where you know, he's just waiting. Uh, he, well, he doesn't wait. It was like he felt the rush where there was none coming. He starts to, you know, like see a rush, somebody coming uh, on the right side and, and really just get pushed back a little bit, but not that bad. And, and then he sort of, you know, starts to run around and basically makes it easier for the defensive line by doing it that way. But, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, just a, how many times can I say it, Brian? It's a privilege. It's a privilege to watch this guy you know, he got seven catches for 91 yards and just makes a couple more incredible catches with guys draped all over him, falling backward, sideways, twisted, uh, just ridiculous. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, come on. He's the best receiver in football right now. It's just like we, we love the guy. I don't think it's just us. I mean, I just think it's got to be when you look at the other wide receivers, who else can make the catches that this guy can make? You're going to it's going to be you're hard pressed to find a guy, you know, not named Antonio Brown currently at this moment. You know, 73 catches uh, going into this game without a drop. And you, he had seven catches today for 91 yards. So, you know, he's he, he, it's just, you know, like you said, amazing just to watch him play. Uh, it's a privilege. He's on track for that Hall of Fame uh, caliber status, Texans Ring of Honor, you name it. That's where he's going to be. And uh, if this team does get to a Super Bowl, he is going to be an integral uh, part of that. But talking about special teams, just kind of wanted to double back. Uh, what do you think about DeAndre Carter? Uh, he, he has very good bursts of acceleration, but now we're seeing as to why he was on the waiver wire. The guy can't hold on to the football. Yeah, I was going to mention that when we got to special teams. You, you sort of – Jumped the gun on me, but yeah, no, it's three fumbles uh, since he's been with the Texans, and he's just been lucky because he hasn't turned the ball over with those three fumbles. Been very fortunate. Uh, DeAndre Carter, though, I think, let me see his catch numbers on the game because uh, I was going to bring that up, but DeAndre Carter with six catches, which 
I think Tyler Irvin had three catches one year for the Texans, which was this year, and he had three catches in in 2016. So if you combine two Tyler Irvin seasons, he had a total of six catches. You know, that that was definitely something that you caught on to that I was going to bring up for sure. But I, I do want to get to this defense, and 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 we can talk more about DeAndre Carter in a little bit. But I feel like I'm I'm burying the lead on on what the defense did in this game too. Uh, before we get to that, though, we've got to talk about our partners at My Bookie because the Texans were favored by four and a half over the Browns. And if you didn't bet on the Texans, maybe you should have. But if you want to bet on some more games. Go to mybookie.ag because remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. We tell you about it every week, but man, maybe it's time to start to put a little bit of money on the Texans. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's scary, but you know, look at the other games. Look at the NBA. Uh, remember that mybookie, they've been in business for years. They've got great reviews. Their mobile site's easy to use. We can only recommend a service that's been good to us. Mybookie.ag is the place to go. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m., they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. You're only going to hear that here in the Locked On Network. Join now. My bookie matches your deposit dollar for dollar. The promo code is LOCKEDON25 to activate that special offer that we've got. If you wait till 6 p.m., you get that extra $25 free play. Again, Locked On25, easy to remember. Uh, go ahead and wait till after dinner. Take that extra money. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, Brad, we, we got to get to this because the Texans, uh, the, the they got a little gift giving by the Browns. It was some early gift giving in the uh, Christmas season by the Cleveland Browns and just a uh, remarkable performance by them, especially in the first half, you know, three straight turnovers to end the first half. And I got to start start off by talking about your guy, Zach Cunningham, the one-handed interception, returns it for a touchdown. You mentioned him as a future pro bowler at the start of the season. It was a rough start for him. But how many other guys can make that play, Brian? Describe that play to everybody because it wasn't just the one-handed catch, was it? Yeah, it was the way how he t- tiptoed the sideline because that was the whole you know issue with whether or not it was a touchdown, whether his left foot was able to stay inside, stay inbounds, and they had to go review because the initial call was that he was down at the one, so they had to go back and review it. And I went back and rewound my DVR. And I looked at it and I said, "Oh yeah, he's in." I mean, just the athleticism that that he was able to show. And again, like you said, one-handed catch. And the burst of speed he was able to break out, you know, former Vandy player. Um, you know, we're going to talk about another Vandy player that did very well today uh, as well. Uh, but uh, just really impressed with Zach Cunningham. Uh, just his uh, just his overall, you know, level of play just shows that he's coming back from his injury uh, just fine and at the right time. Oh, yeah, that's the key part because the Texans – uh, as the season goes on, they're going to need his speed and coverage. And, and, and yeah, the, the play was just uh, not only the, the one-hand interception, not only the tiptoeing the sideline, not getting knocked over by Bernardrick McKinney, his own guy that practically <laughs> barreled him over early yeah. after the interception, but the fact that he was able to hold on to the ball when he reached it over the goal line. You, you know, the thing that scares me in those type of situations is if he fumbles the ball and it gets fumbled out of the end zone, it goes back to the Cleveland Browns. So you cost yourself, uh, you know, your team uh, uh, that fumble. You could cost the, the possession right there. 
So that was a big deal. Zach Cunningham coming back. Uh, Dylan Cole saw a little bit of him, which was good to see later in the game when the, it was a little bit more out of hand. I don't think I saw him early on in the game, but you know, J. Joe with an interception, uh, Dre Hal coming back from uh, you know the. Uh, cancer and everything that he's been through with the interception Ter- terrible tackling on the fumble and guess who guess who was the guy that bailed him out after he had that terrible tackling on the uh not the fumble but there was a catch by uh Callaway the receiver and Dre Al misses the tackle it looks like a long long touchdown and who was the guy again Brian that uh, caused that fumble Oh, it's a guy named a guy from Stanford. You know, it, it's just this amazing guy that's three fourths human. <laughs> Justin Reed. Oh wow! Uh, it just look at the hustle that he was able to emanate. You know, going out there chasing him and then just tacking them down. Callaway thought he had it made. He's like, ah, I beat Andre Howell. I'm on my way to the end zone for a touchdown. And then there you go. Justin Reed is right there to pop the ball out of his hands. And uh, what Aaron Colvin? Uh, it's good to see him out there as well. Recovers it. I mean, you know, when this when the Browns were really trying to get something going, this defense was able to go in and and, and stop it. So, uh, Jonathan Joseph, we could talk about the interception on Baker Mayfield again. His status is going to be uncertain because he's got a neck injury going into next game, so we're going to have to keep an eye on that. But as he was going to Callaway again, a lot of these situations where the Texans are making their money on defense is off of Callaway, and as you see. Um, Callaway kind of goes like to the right, like kind of in a slant, like, and it was a short pass. So what Jonathan does is he jumps that route. It's able to come down with the ball and get the interception. Yeah, course, Cal- Callaway, hide 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 hide. That's a little, a little cab Callaway for you. But the one thing that you you didn't mention in that in, in, the uh, fumble by Justin Reed was. You know, Colvin gets sort of suckered by all of his teammates giving him the wrong advice. That was that was the old Price is Right, where you look out into the audience and everybody says, "Oh yeah, sure, this is the this is the right price, I promise you." And then you know that he gives it. Finally, he gives it to Ty Matthew instead of he looked like he wanted to down it, and 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 they're all like, "No, no, no!" And he's like, "All right, if you think we should go out, here you go, Ty. You take it." And then Ty gets tackled at the five yard line, so made it a little bit harder to get get out of the territory there. But yeah, uh, J-, J Joe with the interception, it looked like Sharice Wright struggled a little bit, but it seemed like every time Brian the Texans there was a big play, it was some sort of Browns. Uh, they they would shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, it was either you know it was either a penalty or it was a turnover or or whatever. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. And the Texans, there they are getting lucky again. Now I'm just, I'm kidding about the lucky thing. I mean, it's just it's almost humorous to me that how can we say it's lucky anymore when it's nine games in a row? It's it's not lucky at that point. It's yeah, you might be a pretty good football team at that point. With the way this team has been playing, and especially with the Titans win Monday night, um, you know, today's win, this team is uh, for real. But early in the streak, yes, because there were a lot of people who weren't convinced um, about this team. And again, we're going to have to go into this conversation, you and I, but Bill O'Brien is definitely in the conversation for Coach of the Year. 
Uh, no matter how way you slice it, this is a good football team. This team is one game out from being the number one seed in the AFC. Right now, they are sitting, I don't know how briefly it will be, because the Patriots are getting ready to play uh, the uh, the Steelers, I believe, today. But uh, just the fact that where they are right now versus from where they started is a remarkable, remarkable run. You said Justin Reed was three-fourths human. Is the other fourth, what is he, werewolf? What, what, what have you got on that other fourth? <laughs> Superhuman, uh, like, like, like God or something. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying, <laughs> I, just can't, I just can't believe just some of the plays he's been able to make out there. He's, he, it's like he's a, he's a rookie, but yet it looks like he had been doing this for so long. A, a very, very terrific value pick by Brian Gain. And again, when, when we look back at this draft, most of these guys that he's been able to pick up have made valuable contributions uh, for this team. I'm, I want to talk about a guy that I'm still trying to figure out what his role is when we get back to the offense. But, you know, with J.J. Watt today, you know, tackle for loss, batted passes. I mean, he's you know, he's not over there tearing through guys, you know, like when he was in 2015 for he's just doing what he can to help this team win. Um Talking about the Callaway 76-yard touchdown, you know, that would have been big. But luckily, that's a penalty I'm kind of glad that Merciless made because that would have been deadly because that would have given that team some momentum. So, you know, looking back uh, at that as well. So, yeah, uh, you mean Merciless made it as a Merciless made it happen with his, his yeah. pass rush. And it was there was a couple of ones that I thought were – Eh, they were a little cheapy, but they're kind of by the letter of the law penalties. And I guess if you're the Browns, that's what happens. You get called for those. Third in the NFL in penalties. They had 87 going into this game and, you know, God knows where it is now. But, uh, yeah, they yeah they, they know how to rack up the penalties. And Bill O'Brien, that's one thing we know about. He hates penalties. And, um, you know, again, I'm not sure how many we had today. It wasn't that many. A lot of it was on the uh, offense because I uh, remember Senor Calamente got one. Um, there were quite a few others. But uh, really, uh, with the grand scheme of things, it didn't affect the outcome of the game at, at all. Yeah, the Texans, they're not getting those just drive-killing penalties that they used to get, some of the holding calls and stuff like that. Uh, Julian Davenport, who a little bit concerned about with him, uh, when he went out with the injury, but he came right back in. And that's a good thing because, um, you know, they, they just don't have any depth at, at the tackle position. So, I mean, Davenport uh, getting back in the game. You, you mentioned J.J. Watt, speaking of injuries. Okay, so he comes in with a knee injury. He was questionable. But, Brian, the key thing with him and, and, and this defense, the, the big concern that I had without J.J. Watt being right, Clowney needs to step up, and the thing was, Baker Mayfield, he, he was pretty clean today. I mean, he, he didn't spend a whole lot of time on the ground. He had plenty of time to throw the ball. The secondary looked bad in the second half, but Baker had all day to throw, too. I mean, that's the other part. I mean, the secondary with the Texans, they got fortunate because they got a couple of drops. A couple of them they caused to drop. You know, they like the penalties we mentioned that were killer, the fumble, uh, turnover uh, in the in the second half as well, but the key was that the Texans just weren't getting pressure on Baker and Mayfield, and the Browns' offensive line, not known as necessarily tremendous, so that tells me that the Texans have got to work, got to get some work done, and and JJ Watt's got to get healthy, and and hopefully with another week, you know, under his belt, he can get back to old JJ form from earlier this year because. 
He, he just didn't look, it, it didn't look right. I mean, there's no way that that was the right JJ. There was, there was even a play. I don't know if you remember this, Brian, it was towards the end of the game, but you never see JJ just stop running hard. And there was a play where Baker escapes out of the pocket and JJ just, it looked like he just stopped. I mean, he had freed himself of his guy. It wasn't like he was going to catch Baker necessarily on the scramble. But at the same time, I'm like, JJ just doesn't stop. You don't see him stop on it. And and that told me that he just thought with his knee, he just couldn't drag it over there to, to get to him. It just, it just wasn't the same JJ. He still was able to do some things, but it's not the same guy. Yeah, without a doubt. But, you know, I, I kind of have to disagree with you there on the, the situation that, you know, we Baker, we Baker Mayfield was definitely, you know, he was immobilized. Now, in the second half, you could make that case. But in the first half, they were on the money. And especially when they tried to get the ball to Nick Chubb, they were not letting them. Uh, you know, get anywhere. And they were barely on the field. I mean, at one point, and even before they have, they had only had the ball in their hands for eight minutes and 19 seconds. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not trashing the the, the, the rest of the defense. I just think that they weren't getting a pass rush in this game. I mean, it, there just wasn't that pass rush. And that that's not the norm for the Texans, especially during this streak. I mean, their pass rush has been, you know, really good o- overall. I mean, it's not, I don't think it's like, you know, top two or three in the league, but it, it's definitely a strong pass rush. But Brian, they got zero sacks. I mean, that's the, the that tells you the story. And it wasn't like Baker was getting hit a lot either. It wasn't like, oh, we just barely missed him that time, and he's just getting rid of the ball. You know, he was having tea back there, man. He was, you know, tea and cookies, and you know, breakfast at Wimbledon back there. It looked like uh, strawberries and cream and everything. I mean, he just had time to throw the ball. He called his mom and told her how she was doing and uh, wished her a happy birthday and all all kinds of stuff. But uh, ultimately, you know, with with the big with the rookie quarterback that he is, you know, he he was just allowed to you know make those uh, bad decisions. I mean, he hadn't thrown three interceptions since his college days when he was at Texas Tech. It was against TCU. Um, so that goes to show how bad of a game he was having. But they really got things going with Nick Chubb in the second half, and uh, that's that was what the difference was. But again, like I said, if if Callaway would have gotten that seventy six yarder, I, I think the outcome of the game could have been different in terms. I, I think the Texans would have still won, but they would have gotten a lot closer because that kind of a play is a momento momento momentum booster excuse me (laughs) yeah and and we got to talk about i know there's a guy you probably want to get back to talking about a little bit on the offensive side of the ball another rookie that's coming on for the texans and as the season moves along he's making an impact a a little bit by little bit with each particular game but before we get to him i just want to make sure that uh you follow locked on nfl net on twitter and instagram you get all the local experts in our locked on NFL Network uh, in that one feed. If you just go click on follow Locked On NFL Net on Twitter, it's perfect when all the games are going on simultaneously or when breaking news has happened. Perfect on game days, obviously. On Sunday, on Instagram, you get the major stories in just one minute. So it's a perfect little bite sized audio. You know, you don't want to hear, uh, I don't want to hear everything that's going on around the NFL and listen to every single one of our podcasts. But you want the news that's going on, and there's obviously news going on all the time around the NFL. Just make sure to follow Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram. All right, Brian, I know this is a guy that I'm sure you're you're anxious to talk about, but Jordan Thomas 
you know, three catches, another touchdown, four touchdowns on the season for Jordan Thomas. I think it's four touchdowns on maybe 14 catches. That's a pretty good ratio, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's a very good ratio. And, you know, this tight end unit, you know, there's there's no question that what Jordan Thomas's role is on this team. He is he is strictly for the red zone right now until he continues to develop even more. Six-round pick out of Mississippi State. Ryan Griffin, he's your number one tight end. Experienced veteran, signed to a deal, a long, well, not a long-term deal, but just a guy that, you know, is familiar with the system. But you get to Jordan Akins, and you wonder, what is he doing here? What is his role? You're, he's a third-round pick, of course, out of UCF. He had that one catch for 13 yards, but outside of that, he's not much of a blocker. I mean, what what exactly is his role here, and what what is his purpose? Uh, that that is my biggest question right now uh, for Jordan. I had high hopes for him, but he hasn't been used in the way that I thought he would be this season. Aiken's got a big block. I remember downfield uh, on a Lamar Miller run, and, and to me, that's one of the things these tight ends have got to get better and better at as the season goes along. They've got to become better blockers because. The Texans need that with this running game that they've got now. Uh, I, I got a couple other things on special teams, and, and, and then I want to spin it back around to uh, one of the things I've seen on offense, Brian, that I find very interesting. Uh, Johnson Badamosi was supposed to be a star on special teams. He's been invisible all year, Brian. You and I have talked about this. Uh, that awful penalty negating DeAndre Carter's huge run back in the first quarter. It was mm-hmm. one of the rare times we've heard his name, you know, just a, like a tip of the cap to Eddie Pleasant on that penalty. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Fairbairn, 50 and a 53-yarder. He wouldn't hit chip shots out there, and now he's 7 of 11 yep. for his career from 50 or more yards, which is impressive. The, the one concern that you had on special teams coming out of this game, Brennan Scarlett left with a leg injury, and, and you hope that wasn't – Anything big. Did, did you see him come back, Brian? I don't think he came back in this one, did he? No, he was rolled out uh, along with Jonathan Joseph. No, they didn't come back in. Yeah, let me tell you why Scarlett's uh, pretty darn important. Going into this week, Scarlett was Pro Football Focus's highest graded special team player out of 135 qualifying players. Now, with linebackers who've had at least 100 snaps this season, Brian, he was also second in both overall pro football focus grade at 99.9 and coverage grade at 90.4 going into this week. Uh, that's something I wasn't seeing this year happening. That's a surprise. Saw the trend, you know, just with pro football focus, just how well he was performing. He was uh, the top performer on special teams uh, for this season. His grade would typically stay uh, in the 80s. So what I'm thinking is this guy has found his niche uh, on special teams, and he could spot start whenever he's needed. You know, he's a Sam linebacker, but uh, yet, you know, if his most because we have so much depth on the defense, his bread and butter is going to be on special teams. So people don't realize how big of a loss uh, Brennan and Scarlett will be if he does have to miss time on this. But we talked about it time and time again. You know, when he when we feel he has turned a corner and he starts to really get in there and produce, he gets hurt. And then, you know, he misses time. He gets rusty, and then it starts all over again. So, you know, I'm just certainly hoping he's healthy soon. But, again, leg injuries are no joke. Let's just hope that it comes out to be uh, something that's hopefully minor he can come back soon from. Buddy Hal also has been really good on special teams, so tip of the cap to him as well. Uh, Other notes from this one, this is something that, 
I don't think you and I have talked about in a while, but I, I think this is what, something we need to note that the Texans used to be under Bill O'Brien, a terrible screen pass team. And that has really improved. I don't know if it's the way they're designing these or just it's the execution. But when they throw the screen pass now, it used to be where, you know, I would hold my breath and go, oh, no, here's, you know, zero yards or a loss of yardage or whatever. But they have done a fantastic job of blocking those, of designing those, of picking the right times to run it. Uh, Demarius Thomas is obviously somebody that's going to be really good at that. DeAndre Hopkins is good, whatever he does. And, you know, outside of DeAndre Carter and that one where he fumbled, you know, he took the wrong uh, direction to go. I, I think the blocking was on the other side. And then he puts the ball in his wrong hand and he fumbles it. Outside of that one, they looked, again, very good on screen passes. Don't, don't you think that's something that you've seen a vast improvement on? Didn't use it as much uh, way back when, you know, you saw a lot about that uh, in the Kubiak era, but uh, not as much uh, in the Bill O'Brien era. And you could you could likely attest that to we just didn't have the weapons. Um, it was just that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was the weapon. And now you have a lot of guys that you would be able to go to also but, on but top they, of that. They've done it past years and it hasn't worked well. And Will Fuller's a weapon and DeAndre Hopkins is a weapon. And those guys have been around, I mean, in the last couple of years. And, and Tyler Irvin was somebody that... I, you know, you thought was going to be a weapon, but let's, you know, just say DeAndre Hopkins and, and Will Fuller. I mean, those are guys that you, you would think could do that. Braxton Miller. I mean, I, I get it. He wasn't maybe the best guy as far as a receiver down the field, but you would think it, that would be somebody that you could have thrown the ball to and, and would have had explosion explosion. If he knew how to, you know, follow his blocks. And that, I mean, that's the key to it is really just, can you make the catch and just follow the blocks? And, and that's part of it. And that, and part of it is, you know, when you make those calls and maybe they've just gotten better at that. And, you know, again, Bill O'Brien, you know, we, we trashed him and we've done that a lot over the last few years at times, but you got to give Bill O'Brien credit. Uh, the offensive play calling much, much better at, at, over this stretch. I mean, you know, I don't, again, it's without being there and looking at what they're seeing, it's hard to say whether how much of it or how much of it is execution and how much of it is is just uh, better play calls. But I've noticed a difference that they, they seem to be timing things out better when they're calling a certain play and when they're not. I am with that. Uh, it, it, it's just a little bit more of a precision. But I still would love for Bill O'Brien. So that way that kind of takes some pressure off of him to where, you know, he would have a suitable office, a coordinator. And, of course, when Cliff Kingsbury was fired from Texas Tech, you know, all those rumors started to roll on whether or not uh, he would be helping some other team out. But, of course, he set, accepted the job at USC. He would have been a perfect fit with the Houston Texas, especially, especially with his familiarity with uh, Kiki Cutie. And um, I I really feel that he still needs that offensive coordinator because and, I still and, feel and he, and right to speak to what exactly where you're you're going to go on this when I, I think you I might be going in the direction you're going to go and and it's something that I wanted to get into was at the end of the half I don't know what O'Brien was doing I don't know if he took a smoke break or something like that but there was that you know time where it was like call a timeout you know it was it, it was close but the refs on the field. I wasn't there, but I assume they immediately said first down. But either way, there's like, you know, 30 seconds to go in the half. You had three timeouts. What what are you saving them for anyway? You know, take the timeout. Uh, they can measure it. You can look at it uh, as far as if you want to red flag it. If you think the 
whatever the case may be, something went wrong right there. And, and Bill O'Brien, he needs to take a timeout. But let me also say this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the little bit of heat off of Bill O'Brien because this is what you need from a franchise quarterback. Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Brian, they know when to call timeouts in the final two minutes. They don't look over to their coach every time they need to call a timeout. I mean, we've seen that throughout their course of their career, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, all of these guys, the great ones, they're not just like waiting for, okay, what do I do next, coach? What do I do next? Take the timeout, Deshaun Watson. You know, back up your coach a little bit. I mean, that's that's partly his deal. I mean, I get it. It's his second year in the NFL, but it's not like he hasn't been a quarterback his whole life. I mean, he should know when to take a timeout, when not to. But you know how Bill O'Brien has just such a tight rein over everything. You know, he wants to make sure he's doing the right thing. But and if if you're Deshaun Watson, he can have the tight rein. If it's the right call, what's Bill O'Brien going to say? He's going to, you know, oh, you think, you know, thanks. Thanks, Deshaun. Thanks for backing me up there because, you know, I, I, I was looking at my, you know, down at my sheet or my, you know, whatever I was looking at. I, I don't know what he was doing, but. Deshaun, you know, there's a time where you just got to say, hey, the coach isn't doing what he's supposed to do. I've got to do it. The coach isn't going to be perfect all the time. I mean, not to say that Bill O'Brien's close to perfect, but every coach, you know, fails occasionally or misses something occasionally. And Deshaun Watson, he's got to be on on this, too. This can't be always Bill O'Brien. And I don't necessarily see Deshaun Watson calling a lot of any timeouts. And there are times where it should be obvious to both Deshaun and Bill O'Brien that a timeout is happening, not just to Bill O'Brien. I mean, that's that's part of being a great quarterback is, you know, you got to be there and, and, and make the right call when when everybody when all crap's happening and and maybe everybody's not on the same page you got to be there and you got to make that call and they had three timeouts and I don't know what you're saving them for but they got to call a timeout there they end up getting a field goal it worked out fine in this game but as we keep saying these are this is the type of stuff that separates winning coaches from losing coaches in playoff games. I think uh, I'm on the grand scheme of things. I think that, you know, in this situation, because of his level of experience, uh, that certainly that he will be able to make the right call with, with the level of experience that he has. But again, that that is a debatable discussion there in regard to what he could have done with the timeouts. But again, you, you have the lead. You have all these timeouts. You know, why take them? Because you may need them in the second well, half. Well, let's not, let's not assume that Deshaun Watson's decision-making in general is, is just the greatest. I mean, there there have been times, like I said, where he just needed to get rid of the ball. He needed needed not to take a hit here and there. He got hit way too much in this Browns game. He got hit a lot for, uh, you know, for a game that you know your running game's going good. Uh, you had a lot of time, I thought, to throw the football uh, for the most part. And there were times where it's just like Deshaun, get rid of the football, Deshaun, don't take that hit. You know, just live to fight another day. We need you on the field. It's much more important to be on the field and maybe give up a, a play every now and then than to be a superhero. I mean, that's that's it's, 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 you're going to need the we're going to need that maybe in the playoffs you do that, but you don't do that in a regular season game against the Browns. I mean, that's Deshaun. He, he's got to improve his decision making in all aspects. You know, he, it's gotten better. It's gotten better as the season's gone on, but. There's work to do, Brian. I don't think he's nearly the complete quarterback that he needs to be. And but I want to see, I want to see him start thinking ahead a little bit. And when that when that uh, play is made right there, and you're near the first ground, down marker, 
you got to call timeout. What if it if it's an obvious first down? You're definitely calling timeout, right? You're not letting twenty or thirty seconds go off the clock. It, it's a that's a good argument too. But again, you know, second full year, or really his first full season in as a quarterback, you know, starting for the Houston Texans. I think that's going to get better uh, with time. Um, all I can say is, would you rather have Tom Savage or Brandon Whedon out no, there? I mean, under- no, it's not about that, though. I'm, I'm talking about, would you rather win a Super Bowl or just get into the playoffs every year? And that's the diff- those are the type of that's the decision making that t- that changes things from. Yeah, nobody. I mean, come on, Brian, don't don't treat me like I'm an idiot. Of course, we don't want Tom Savage. Of course, I love Deshaun Watson. I just need him to make it up to an, another level. And again, you can talk about, oh, it's his first full year in the NFL. He was in the NFL last year. He played six games. He was on the sideline. But more importantly, he won a national championship for Clemson. You know, he was in, the fi- he was in a finals game for Clemson. This is something that he, he has experienced under the highest pressures, pressure situations. And, you know, the, it's I don't know what, what the deal was at Clemson, but you typically – if you're a quarterback, these are things that you should know and you should have thought about prior to games and prior to going out on the field. And, you know, you got to be able to calculate all this stuff in your brain. And and that's the type of thing that turns him into a guy that's on the level of, you know, some of these other quarterbacks and some of these guys that we're talking about, the guys that are uh, winning playoff games and getting to the championship game and getting to the Super Bowl. That's the difference. That's what turns you... From, okay, he's a really good quarterback to, oh, he might be an all-time great. But what really makes it happen is having that strong running game and talking about what Lamar Miller was able to do today. Another game, you know, over over the century mark, 103 yards uh, rushing. You know, coming into this game, 100.4 yards in the last five games that he has averaged. That's at six yards uh, per carry. Uh, continuous time and again he was able uh, to help this team get the first out and move those chains so whenever your game's not working the best you know as a quarterback you got to have that dominant running back uh, with to complement your game but the problem with Deshaun is he always wants to make that big play he wants to take it upon himself uh, to do it but he's got to remember you've got talented guys around you that are going to be able uh, to go out there and help you because you know there are 10 other guys with them out on the field. Overall, you know, not much to complain about, but, you know, we had to get a couple of those things in there towards the end because, again, this isn't about beating the Browns. This isn't about winning nine in a row. You're, you're looking at a big picture, and, Brian, you mentioned it. They're nine and three uh, for the moment as we're recording this right after the game. They're the number two seed in the AFC. That's fantastic. Got to keep it up. Got to keep rolling. Uh, you know, they they, they, they need – uh, some help from some other teams for sure, but uh, they got to just keep, keep doing their job. Uh, Zach Fulton went out of this game. Hope that's not anything major. Uh, you also got uh, Kendall Lamb with a concussion. That's a big concern going into the next couple of weeks because uh, if, if he's out for a concussion, then it's Martinez ranking at right tackle. I don't think that's something that the Texans are would be really enthused about. You know, to me, Brian, I look at Senio Calamete. And he's somebody that has been versatile, has played a number of different positions. I don't think he's the greatest left guard in the world. I think Martinez Rankin is a guy that can play at left guard and be very, very serviceable there. I would think about moving Calamete over to right tackle, practice him there this week. Uh, if Kendall Lamb can't go because of the concussion, um, to me, that that's an important thing to look at. 
uh, going into next week's game. I mean, you know, the, the, the Texans, uh, they always talk about the versatility of their guys. You shouldn't rely on a rookie to be the versatile one. How about the guy in Calamete that played every position last year along the offensive line in New Orleans and let Martinez Rankin just be a good serviceable guard, a guy that doesn't have to deal with uh, some of the best, you know, uh, pass rushers in the NFL. You know, that's to me, that's what I would do. That's a terrific observation. I wouldn't mind seeing that. But do you think that they would think about going to go get a guy off the streets, you know, to go and sign, you know, but I mean, this offense, it's going to take some time to grasp, but do you think that they go out and try to pick up somebody off the street to add to death? I wouldn't think there's anybody off the street that you're going to find better than I would assume if it's an off the street person that you've already done that. And he's on your practice squad roster. I mean, that, that, that obviously is the other option and somebody is going to come up from the practice squad, no matter what. The other thing with Kelamete always uh, getting nicked up, and if Zach Fulton goes into this coming week nicked up, they, they, they need to start thinking about maybe putting another offensive lineman on the 45-man roster on game day and, ha- and have that person ready because once again in this game, this happened a couple of times, if they had had one more injury, they're out of offensive linemen. You're going to probably have to move Jordan Thomas over to tackle or something like I don't know what you're going to do at that point. But to me, that's not a situation I would play around with, especially when, again, the most important thing this franchise has to do is protect their guy, the MVP of the franchise, Deshaun Watson. He is the man. He, you got to uh, keep him protected. Um, any last words? I, I, I think about about wrapped it up. We're going to talk about this as the week goes on. Brian and I have even discussed we, we might be adding an extra show on a weekly basis for you guys later in the week. Um, so hopefully we can bring you more good content, keep you busy, maybe on those Fridays on the way to work, like we do with you on Monday through Thursday, if that's indeed when you're listening to us. But, uh, any last things, Brian? Just want to say that the, you know, Ty Matthew was just able to come out there and have himself a game today. There were some mistakes that he made, uh, but when he breaks up the pass, I believe it was the, the fourth and five forcing the turnover, uh, on downs, uh, which that was, you know, late in the game. And it goes to show that, you know, it's time to you know, start thinking about what kind of a deal that we can get this guy uh, because, you know, I, I really love having him on this team and he's just a pleasure to watch. Just has been a perfect fit all season. Totally agree. And if I'm choosing between Kareem and him, I, I probably would choose Ty Matthew being that he's younger. But, uh, you know, Kareem is so versatile in that he can play cornerback. He looked pretty bad on, on one of the plays early in the game, but uh, overall, with that pass interference, if, if if anybody forgets, but overall, I mean, it'd be great if you could just manage to somehow keep both of these guys because they've they've got some cap space to play with, and oh, yeah. I would think Kareem uh, would want to stick around if if he had the choice with this defense and and who he's got here and and Romeo knowing how to use him and and you know you you got Justin Reed, so you got you know one safety. It's I think one of those two guys is definitely going to be back. You know, you hope both of them can come back. And, I, and I'm going to put Kareem out of safety because at some point they're going to get another cornerback in here and Kareem's going to be a permanent fixture over at safety with the Texans anyways. But uh, just want to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends and also um, support us by sharing our show links with your social media followers. You know, you can retweet us. You can share it on Facebook. I've seen a couple people do that. We appreciate it. Also, you know, we always tell you to rate us on iTunes. Like that doesn't mean to be a jerk about it on iTunes. Like you're listening to the show. Obviously we're doing something right. 
So say something nice about us on iTunes. I mean, I, I, I'm not putting any pressure on anybody, but I've just seen a lot of people crapping on us on iTunes. And it's like, I can tell you're listening to us all the time and, and I get it. We've got some things to fix, but instead of crapping on us on iTunes, again, just message us. Message us on LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. You know, you know how to get a hold of us on Twitter, on Facebook. Brian and I read it. We take everything very seriously. We're trying to get better. Um, but but say something nice over on iTunes, if you would. It, it helps our show. And, you know, we're going to try to get better for you every single day. That's our goal, just like Texans players. So uh, make a note of that. Um, also, LockedOnTexans.com. Uh, we just keep adding people over there. Nathan, Joe, Andy, Brandon, Calvin, more more people coming uh, to do that. HouseofHouston.com. Go check out Brian's work over there. My work on Houston Sports Talk, the podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, that's all we got for this one. Uh, of course, stay tuned throughout this week. We're going to be previewing the next one. We're going to be going over some more stuff that you guys need to keep an eye on. But as always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, 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 oh,